Black of Ashburn, Virginia. You retaliated against Tanner Cross by yanking him from teaching for addressing a public hearing of this board. The judge ordered you to reinstate Mr. Cross because if his comments were not protected speech, then free speech does not exist at all. It's absurd and immoral for teachers to call boys girls and girls boys. You're making teachers lie to students and even kids know that it's wrong. This board has a dark history of suppressing free speech. They caught you red-handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color, and you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. I am disgusted by your bigotry. Joe Mobley to be followed by Donna Russell. Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show, my new live show. So glad to have you all uh, listening there in the live audience. Uh, So right from the get-go, we've got an awesome guest for you, a patriot, um, a soldier, even though he was a Marine. I'll say a soldier, a a politician, and just an awesome patriot and a statesman. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Virginia State Senator, retired Senator Dick Black. Um, Guys, Get your questions in. This is probably the only opportunity that many of you will have um, to actually ask Senator Black questions. Uh, so please welcome to the stage Senator Dick Black of Virginia. Sir, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Thanks. I'm really excited. Uh, one, because I've gotten to see you live in action uh, at events. We actually met at a Patriot pub. And a lot of people, um, they they saw, a lot of people saw the speech that you gave that literally was the last speech of the Loudoun County Public School Board uh, sessions of this year. And I was supposed to be the next speaker after you. Now, luckily, I wasn't planning on speaking. I was actually knocking doors to get petition signatures at the time. Uh, but you shut the meeting down. Is, is that something that you're used to doing, is just shutting down school board meetings? <laughs> no, you know what happened? I was the 50th. Oh, I am not hearing 
Senator Black. I attacked the school board directly, and I just took them on head on. And and Senator Black, yeah, you you actually cut out right at the beginning. uh, If you if you wouldn't mind starting back, so you were the fifty something speaker. Is the last thing we heard. Okay. Okay. Well, I I was the fiftieth speaker at the school board meeting. Uh, Everybody only had one minute to speak, including me. And uh, the difference was that there were wonderful uh, speeches by the others, um, but they would go after aspects of the transgender policy or the or the critical race theory uh, issue. And the difference was that I went directly after the school board. I attacked them individually, personally, and. Uh, as, as my as each phrase of my short speech uh, went on, more and more and more people were jumping up and and uh, and when it was finished, and I accused them of bigotry and perversion, the crowd just exploded and they blew the roof off, and the police came in and shut things down, and we drove the board off. They they had to retreat from the room. And so this was one instance where the people won unequivocally. It was our victory, and uh, we sent the the school board into retreat. Now we're in the process of doing a recall, which is going to be a very powerful uh, instrument to undermine their authority, perhaps to eliminate some of them. But if nothing else, it gets the word out. People begin to realize, oh, wait a minute. Now I understand what my school board member is doing. I, I never who they even knew who they were. Now I understand that they're voting to put boys in the girls' bathrooms in, and to have them shower naked with the girls. And they're requiring teachers to call boys girls and girls boys. Now I get it. And so uh, I think... Altogether, this is a powerful movement. It's not. It's not something that I formed. I just happen to be one of the speakers there. But uh, uh, we've got probably ten different groups that have just risen up organically. They just sprung out of nothing. People that aren't members of the Republican Party typically, and uh, uh, it's the first time many of them have gotten involved in politics. But all of a sudden, they feel this passion, this need to do something to stop this encroachment of the Marxist revolution that is starting to emerge everywhere in society. Awesome. So I know that everyone hasn't had a chance to see uh, this fiery speech. So I've got it queued up here. And of course, Casey, we, we did this little technical piece after you left. And I like to put the videos in embedded, but we're going to have to watch this one on YouTube, guys. Uh, so here it is. Senator Dick Black of Ashburn, Virginia. You retaliated against Tanner Cross by yanking him from teaching for addressing a public hearing of this board. The judge ordered you to reinstate Mr. Cross because if his comments were not protected speech, then free speech does not exist at all. It's absurd and immoral for teachers to call boys girls 
and girls, boys. You're making teachers lie to students, and even kids know that it's wrong. This board has a dark history of suppressing free speech. They caught you red-handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color, and you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. I am disgusted by your bigotry. Joe Mobley to be followed by Donna Russell. So that that was the the shot heard around the world. You you did what Marines do, which is you got boots on the ground <laughs> and occupied in in an unmistakable manner. Did you did you think that you were going to have that type of response and they were they were going to cut your mic literally this this is in the place where you've been a state senator um these are you know maybe people that were constituents in the past and now it's their day they're in the seat of power at the school board which is about the smallest bit of power you can get um, what, what were you feeling? What were you thinking when you were up there? How did you think the response was? I'm sure that you didn't think that people would get arrested and, and all. Well, I, uh, I just thought I was going to add my voice to all of the others. We had a total of 269 people. All but 15 of them were parents. The others were bust in transgender people from out of state. And, uh, uh, so it was a very powerful movement, and I, I think it's just that uh, by attacking the board, that was the difference. When I, you know, I just, I'm not intimidated by public. Yep, Senator Black, you've, uh, you've frozen again. Let's see. I don't know if you can hear me, sir. You've... Uh... Let's take you out and in. Can you hear me now, Joe? Oh, you're back. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I was able to hear you, but for some reason, my video seemed to, to cut out. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's, it's probably the alphabet company or an alphabet agency. Who knows? <laughs> right. <laughs> <coughs> So do we need to back up or now we, we can keep driving along. I know you're a person of action. You, you were, you know, I, I read your bio, you've been everywhere, done everything. You were a helicopter pilot. Um, so, uh, Senator black is also retired Colonel black who you were injured in Vietnam. Is, is that, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, my radio man and I, well, uh, Corporal Henry Smith was my chief radio man, and we fought together for about four months. And uh, uh, he was in the short timers tent, and I was too. The short timers tent meant that you were in a in a uh, an administrative situation where you were not uh, supposed to be fighting anymore. One night, the the artillery started going off and off over the horizon. I could see the glow of the illumination flares. And I lay there and I thought, well, you know, I am in the short timer's tent. But I thought, well, you know, this is my company. I, I'm, 
I'm going out. So I got up, I got suited up, uh, black vest, grenades, uh, magazines, rifle, went out in the dark and I bumped into Smitty and I said, Smitty, I said, what are you doing? He's supposed to catch the plane in the morning. And he laughed a little bit. He said, sir, he said, I'm doing the same thing that you're doing. He was a, he was the most loyal uh, uh, NCO I've ever seen. And I said, well, Smitty, I said, I'm glad that you're here. We fought our way to the Hoi An River over the course of a day and a half. And then we made a river assault. And uh, there's actually a picture that I have um, that was taken about 10 minutes before most everybody in, in, the, in the assault raft was killed or wounded. And uh, anyway, we got up on the, on the railroad track bed and uh, we, were, we were covering the left flank uh, some guys were being shot and so forth. And, uh, and then I stepped in a punji pit. I yelled back to everybody. I said, I stepped in a punji pit. There are landmines. Watch your step. We went a few steps and all of a sudden the earth exploded under me. I thought I had stepped on a landmine and, uh, and I felt tremendous pain in my leg, my arm and and, uh, but it wasn't me. It was actually Smitty right behind me. He'd stepped on it. And um, and uh, anyway, uh, he and he and uh, my other radio man had. Oh, Senator Black, your audio cut out again, and uh, so I'm sure you're on your way uh, back in in just a moment. Um, but while we wait, you know, the the reason that I asked. Uh, Senator Black about his services because one, you know, this is a guy who's been everywhere, done everything. He is he has earned every right as as George Washington did, who you know was an esteemed military officer as well. To just sit under his own vine and his own fig tree, uh, not as the musical Hamilton says, but the actual Bible. Uh, spoiler alert: that's where that's from, um, and kind of hold his his head high and hang his hat and relax, be retired. Um, and still today, he's fighting for his country. He's fighting for children. He's fighting uh, for, frankly, everyone listening to this and everyone who will be here in replay. Speaking of replay, if you are here in the replay, go ahead and smash the like button. Um, you can't comment, you guys that are here live. You're, you're chatting live. Uh, but people watching on the replay, go ahead and say hashtag replay. Tell us something that you like about the episode. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe. But Senator Black, Colonel Black, Patriot Dick Black, how do we get people to have an ounce of the courage and fortuitousness that you've shown throughout your entire life? Um, and not just on the battlefield, but now you're still the man in the arena, um, making your voice heard. A lot of the the voiceless in this situation are children. So being the voice of the voiceless, how do we get other people to take massive action like you were doing in Loudoun County? Well, uh, you know, I, on one hand, I would tend to tell you I don't know exactly, but the good news is that what is happening is that people are taking action. They're doing it right now. Uh, there was an article in the Politico, which is a Democrat-leaning uh, uh, news site, and uh, it was interesting, and they talked about the critical race theory and the way that things are going in Loudoun County. 
And uh, it was clear from their article that they felt that somehow the Republican Party has some genius up in Washington and he has concocted this idea and he's come down and he's inspired all these peasants down in the field to rise up. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not sure whether people in Washington have a clue what they're doing or what they're trying to do, but what's happening is you have patriotic people and uh, uh, some of them are very normally very meek, mild family people, but all of a sudden they've said, look at what's going on. You know, we're in the midst of a revolution. People need to begin to comprehend that what we're faced with Oh, Senator Black, you just froze on us again. This is an adapt and overcome stream, guys. I don't know uh, what's going on. I've got the the upload and download speed here. Uh, one's in the 90s, one's in the 80s. Uh, Senator, it looks like you're back with us. Okay. <laughs> but what's happening is you have these people who have never really gotten very involved. They're not members of the Republican Party, not members of any party. They tend to vote Republican, most of them, but not all. And all of a sudden they're saying, wait a minute, you're telling me that my daughter is going to have to shower naked with, with some guy who claims he's a transgender? Give me a break, I'm not gonna take it. Or you're having people who said, you're telling me that you're going to sandpaint people door to door and force me to get uh, a vaccination shot, which presently, according to scientific studies, is causing 14% of all women to miscarry if they're pregnant. They, they miscarry at a huge rate. And, uh, and they're, just, they're just tired of the of the domination of government and they they're not taking it. We've got we've got probably 10 different independent groups. They didn't connect up. They didn't now they're beginning to connect, but they they just sprung up. It was like it was like the field of mushrooms after the rain and the Democrats don't know what to do. They're democratic office holders who predominate here in Loudoun County are desperately calling up to Richmond to the state uh, uh, Democrat authorities, and they're saying, you've got to do something. You've got to fix this. Well, the problem is when you have individuals, mothers, fathers, and this is a younger generation that's coming up, which is an inspiration to me, and you see this emerging, it's powerful. And they don't in Richmond, they don't know what to do about it. Local officials don't know what to do about it, but I think they've overplayed their hand and it's very fortunate they did because I really think that the nation has been prepared. The groundwork has been laid for a Marxist violent revolution in this country. And I think it, they just haven't pulled it off. They thought they would see how it came out and it just hasn't quite played out the way that they hoped. Now there's suddenly this, this backlash that's beginning to sweep the country and they can't control it. So really the answer is for individual people in their community to get up and to begin to confront their legislators, whether they're on the school board. And the school board has a lot of but confront them, confront these people personally 
to where they understand that you know who they are and they're not going to last in office. I, I couldn't agree more. The politicians in D.C., a lot of times they get removed from us or, or maybe your governor is removed from you. Those local politicians, they are extremely accountable. Um, you, you can go and you can write them and call them, but you can actually schedule meetings with them um, sure. when, when they're not canceling. I, I've been canceled on by a few of our school board members, and that's neither here nor there. Guys, if you're just joining us, we were about halfway through the episode. This is the Joe Mobley Show Live, and we've got a statesman. We've got Virginia State, or retired Virginia State Senator Dick Black, who's also uh, a Vietnam veteran. He's a, a former colonel and helicopter pilot. Um, we are going to be answering your questions in the second half, and some of you are doing a great job helping me remember stuff. If you've got a question, then type a few question marks, type out your question, and, and then bookend it with a few question marks on the other side, uh, and we'll be addressing those in just a couple of minutes. Um, but before we do that, obviously, you're someone who is, is well-read, um, and you put into practice the things that you've learned over years, which is a huge piece of wisdom. So if you could snap your fingers and get everyone on earth to have read and understood one book, uh, what would you pick and why? Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, one of the books that is my favorite is uh, Democracy by de Tocqueville. He studied what it was that made America great. Uh, he, was a, he was a French sociologist, came over here in the very early 1800s, and he was fascinated by what it was that made this country work. And, uh, uh, and uh, he gave some very interesting insights. Interestingly, he commented, he said, uh, he said that uh, uh, democracy, and he was talking about our Republican form of government. We obviously don't have a democracy, but that was his shorthand for it. And he said, he said democracy is a form of government that is only suited for a Christian people. Now, that's interesting. It doesn't mean that everybody in a democracy has to be a Christian, but the thing is that, that Christianity uh, begins with the premise of free will. In other words, nobody is beheaded because they refuse to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, Nobody is punished. Nobody is, is, nothing happens to them, but you are, you're asked to come of your free will. Whether you... Oh, Senator, you just froze. Uh, so we're, it's like an interesting buffering or something that happens. Um, so I've not heard of this particular book, but I'm definitely going to add it to the reading list. And some of you have been asking about that. Um, so my podcast is not, it's episodic. It's not seasonal. So there isn't a season one, season two, season three, but I'm thinking maybe I'll do for each year, all of the book recommendations, um, with affiliate links. So order on the website, uh, that the guests have given over the years, uh, Senator, you're back. If you wanted to finish that thought. Yes. But I, I was going to say that Christianity, because of it, it's, it, it, its fundamental idea is free will. No one is beheaded because of their refusal to believe. 
And so Christianity is part of the cultural soup that we live in. So whether you are a Christian, a Jew, Muslim, a non-believer, you still are part of this, this soup, this cultural soup that, that influences our form of law and culture, and it moves us towards freedom. Because because of the the underlying religious premise, and in that way, it's it's a great deal different than other uh, other governments that uh, evolve where there's there other faiths. So I think that was one of the one of the key things that that he pointed out. Um, but uh, the you know he he'll go into things like the separation of powers, which really is the essence of our government. The idea that you pit power against power so that you don't have a unitary government that turns on the people. Unfortunately, we are moving towards that unitary and that unitary form of government because if you look at the U.S. Supreme Court. My view that has been the great flaw in the U.S. Constitution, unlike some of the state, like the state of Virginia, um, we have uh, Supreme Court justices who are nominated for life. They essentially can't be removed, and that makes them dictators. We have a we have a level of dictatorship, and uh, if you look at many of the most disruptive things, the things that have really torn down our culture whether it's the creation of same-sex marriage, the, the forced imposition of abortion, uh, the forcing of, of pornography, uh, many, many things like this that just sort of erode the foundations of Western civilization. Wherever there is a powerful uh, initiative by the Supreme Court, a powerful decree, it is the rights of the citizens. Wherever they are ruling for the people, it's typically a very narrow decision that really doesn't have much precedential value. So the Supreme Court institutionally tends to shy away from enforcing our liberties. And so we look to the president, we we look to the Congress from time to time, uh, but it really requires the people to rise up forcibly and to confront these legislative officials in a personal way, not just to say, well, we don't like your party, but but you're okay. Um, we need to pin down, okay, what has this official, what has my delegate, my senator, my representative done, and hold them accountable. And uh, until we do that, that, I think that would be the one key that I would tell people. Don't go with hat in your hand. Um, you know, stand out in front, of, in front of their home if you need to, holding up a sign saying, you know, Jennifer Boyce go, go has, uh, has supported transgender uh, ideology in our schools. Remove her now. Um, one person can do that. You just stand there with your little sign and it makes people nervous. They think twice the second time that they pull something like that off if people know what's going on.
Outstanding. I couldn't agree more. You said something that reminded me of the conversation that I had uh, with someone who's becoming a really good friend. He's watching now, uh, Taylor Eland, which I can successfully spell. Taylor, I'm sorry, I always spot your name. Uh, but he's got a podcast called Contrarix. Um, and, you know, I, I think that you two would have a really awesome conversation. I'm going to give his, uh, uh, connect him and your assistant um, to see if you can go on his show. Uh, but he, he just graduated law school. One, I'm sure that he'd love to learn a little bit about your career. You were, um, you were a prosecutor and um, with the yeah. state, but then into DOD land. Is that, am I remembering that right? Yeah, that's right. I, basically, I had a split career. The first half was with the Marine Corps. That's where I fought. I flew 269 combat missions as a pilot. I dropped more bombs than any forward air controller in Vietnam as a, as a forward air controller in the 1st Marine Division. Then went off to, to law school, and I entered the Army JAG Corps. And uh, uh, so I was I was a trial counsel at Fort Hood, Texas. I was the staff judge advocate, which is like a U.S. attorney, at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, at Fort Ord, California, and then at Fort Lewis, Washington, and then back to the Pentagon as the chief of the criminal law division for the Army. And and all that to say that your legal opinion and your opinion of of the courts and the criminal justice system isn't something to be discounted uh, because they love, you know, not these doctors, those doctors, not these lawyers, those lawyers. Uh, you've, you've been in the courtroom and the battlefield and now uh, tearing into the school board. So definitely someone whose advice is worth seeking. And, and I'm sure that you guys will have a great conversation on his show. We're just about to get to the questions. Um, but speaking of Contrarix and speaking of um, people like Casey Gates, uh, guys, this is the promo time for Locals.com. So Locals.com, if you don't know about it, it's the internet done right. It should replace YouTube. It should replace Twitter. This is Dave Rubin and his team and what they're building. Um, this content is going to be posted there. That's where I actually post about my life and what I'm doing, not the, the cesspool stuff that goes on Twitter and other platforms. Um, but connect with me there. It's the Joe Mobley Show Locals.com. It's on your screen. Uh, you can also... Check out my other links, get your uncloseted conservative gear. Uh, maybe if you have questions that you want to get to some of my guests like Senator Black, uh, when we're off air, then you can funnel those through. Uh, but let's let's get to the questions, guys. Uh, you've been asking them, so I will put them up on the screen now. So Lunchbox asks, uh, how can we debunk the myth of voter suppression, or I guess myths like voter suppression, uh, white supremacy, nonsense, et cetera? Well, you know, first of all, the the election uh, was uh, was grotesquely fraudulent. Um, we, you know, the media pounded us with the notion that, uh, you know, President Trump is saying that the election was stolen, but it never was. Uh, there was no evidence. Well. I was I was a prosecutor, a trial counsel, uh, confronting people in in court, and I got to tell you, there's probably never been a case with more evidence. We've got uh, almost a, a third uh, or, or a thousand 
uh, sworn affidavits under penalty of perjury. So we have testimonial evidence. We have circumstantial evidence. We have scientific evidence, uh, forensic evidence. Uh, we have uh, photographic evidence. We have videotape evidence. We've got every kind of evidence. We have ex expert testimony. Uh, it's, a, it's tremendous. And you look at what happened during the election. Trump was winning in every one of the, uh, of the swing states, the critical states. Uh, and then the Democrats turned off the lights and uh, told all the Republicans to go home. Uh, at that point, Trump was leading oh, Senator, oh, there you're back. Okay, and then then you woke up in the morning and all of a sudden the results of the election were flipped. Tremendous numbers of, of ballots had been created during the night and all of a sudden Biden was winning in all of these states where Trump had been winning just before. So so I, I think I think the concerns about the elections are valid. However, it's going to be vital. I, even even though there may be doubts, we've got to get everyone out to vote because uh, this country is in danger. I, not just of having more radical politics, but literally undergoing a violent revolution if we don't get it under control. We we cannot afford not to vote. People have to vote. Uh, and so so they, they've got to become very serious about it uh, uh, because they may not get a chance to vote after this next election. Now, what was the other question? Uh, the other part was uh, debunking uh, white supremacy and you know, this is reality stands in contradiction to that lie. The number of interracial relationships is evidenced by the number of interracial births is rising to uh, like 40%. And with blacks being 13 and a half, 14% of the population, literally if every black man, woman, and child in the U.S. voted for Obama, it wouldn't have been enough to get them elected. A supremacist nation doesn't elect a black president, period. Um, but, Senator, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely true. Those are good thoughts. Um, critical race theory is founded on the on a fundamental falsehood, which is that uh, our our laws, our our regulations, the rules of corporations, the ordinance of our, our local government are all designed to give whites preference over over blacks. Um, I defy anyone, and, and I would suggest that, that your listeners do this, defy any of these people to identify a single law, regulation, ordinance, corporate policy that says whites shall have priority over blacks. There is not one of them because there's never been any more powerful movement in a country than the movement in America towards ending discrimination. And so there, there is no substance to their fundamental prefer, uh, premise that, uh, that there is a preference within the law. Um, I think, you know, if, if you look at it, when President Trump was in all 
Oh, Senator, you kind of, oh, you're back. <laughs> when President Trump was in office, he achieved the lowest rate of black unemployment, lowest rate of Hispanic women's unemployment, um, tremendously low unemployment. And <clears throat> work is good for people. You know, the, the Democrats are big on, <clears throat> on achieving a, a minimum wage, and they're putting it in place. Nothing is more destructive because people gain, people gain pride by working. Uh, when, uh, when someone comes home, I don't care if they, if they work flipping hamburgers or, or raking yards or working in a law firm, that you come home and you feel like, wow, you know, I contributed something, whatever. I don't care if you're cleaning toilets. I've done that. I've done that in the Marines. I've swabbed out the toilets. And at the end of the day, you think, you know, I got that latrine clean, you know, or, or I prosecuted, you know, a bunch of cases today and, and got a bunch of uh, violent people off the street. It doesn't matter what it is. Work is important. And uh, when we want more people to work uh, and we want less people to be on the government dole because the government dole rots the soul. And uh, so anyway, I, I think if you look at it, uh, when when January 6th came and people rose up in, in fury about the stolen election, there were 900,000 people who went to the U.S. Capitol and if you look at the crowd, the people who were who were demonstrating there, they weren't a bunch of white, angry white men. There were angry white men. There were angry black men. There were angry white women, black women, Hispanic women, Hispanic men, Oriental, Asian, Asian people, all kinds of people. It was a slice of America that was out there. It was rich. It was poor. And... Uh, so the idea that uh, people like General Mark Milley says, well, you know, I've got to understand white rage and how this came about on January 6th. I suggest to General Mark Milley that he watch the films of what took place on January the 6th and look at the faces of the people. The faces of the people were not just white. They were white, they were black, they were Hispanic. They were Asian. They were everybody. It was America that was out there, and they were furious because the election results were falsified. And incidentally, when they went into the Capitol building, there was not a single person carrying a weapon. The idea that they call it an insurrection. Insurrections are armed. People People carry out insurrections with rifles and machine guns and grenades. They don't carry out insurrections with Donald Trump flags and banners. Uh, the people went in unarmed. They didn't expect any violence. The only person, the only homicide committed was committed by someone uh, on the staff of Nancy Pelosi's uh, palace guard uh, when they gunned down Ashley Babbitt, a poor unarmed woman, a joyous mother uh, who, who, yeah, she was breaking through the window to get in. They, they wanted to make their point very strongly, uh, but, but nobody was committing 
uh, acts of violence inside of the Capitol. And, uh, and so the idea that it's called, a, called a, an insurrection is just obscene. It's a lie, it's false. And the only deliberate killing was a killing that was of one of the Trump people. There were several people who died, but in a, in a crowd of 900,000, you have people who, who some of them were very elderly and they just died of heart attacks and things of that sort. Um, so we need, to, we need to not get swept up by the media narrative when they use these inflammatory terms like insurrection. I know what an insurrection is, and you do too, Joe. And when we think of an insurrection, we don't think about a, a bunch of, of joyous, passionate people who go carry an American flags into a building. We think of people who go in with arms, with Molotov cocktails, things of that sort. That was not happening. There's none of that that happened during this. Uh, the, it was it was a a very raucous demonstration, and uh, and that was the extent of it. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one of the things that I try and get listeners to do is take action. Um, I, I call myself an uncloseted conservative, which means that I will share my thoughts, opinions, and beliefs no matter who is in the room, no matter what circumstance. Um, and recently, I, I was one of those faces, not in the Capitol, people. I didn't step foot on the Capitol. There's, there isn't going to be a single image of that. But I recently kind of released publicly and online um, that I was there at, on January 6th, and I was there the whole entire day. I watched the speeches. Um, I did leave while the the insurrection, uh, while the unlawful trespass was going on, because I smelled a very familiar smell. It was a little tear gassy, um, and I said, you know what? I've been gassed enough. I don't need to stick around for this. Uh, so me and the people I was with, we left. And it's just like you said, um, Hispanics, Asians, whites, blacks, men, women, children, um, and, and all of the, the intersectional signs. There were gays for Trump, Asians for Trump, women for Trump, uh, super specific. There are all these new terminology, BIPOC and, and a fringe island no one's ever heard of. Pick that island. There was a sign of that islanders for Trump there. Um, but you're absolutely right. Um, everything that you said about the military leadership and uh, speaking of, Casey says Semper Fortis Marine. So uh, I saw some <laughs> other questions. Um, Contrarics asked, what drove you to politics? I, I, there was a very precise moment. I've been involved or fascinated by the military and, and political affairs since I was a small child, my father and uncle, my father was very conservative. My uncle was very liberal. And we would go to my uncle's house uh, and uh, they both loved themselves, loved one another very much. And uh, so we would have debates that were discussions. They were very orderly. And so I would listen to the conservative view then I would listen to the liberal view. There wasn't shouting, there wasn't interrupting. And uh, it was very fascinating. And uh, one day we finished up one of these discussions and I walked out onto the breezeway. They had those in Florida in those days, they didn't have air conditioning. And uh, 
so the window, the screen window was open and the radio was playing. So as I walked alone out in the darkness on the breezeway, the radio was playing and it was playing uh, the report, the news report of the war in Korea. And I stopped and I listened very intently to the to the reports of the battles that were underway and the casualties that were taking place. And I began to envision these things unfolding and the meaning of all of them. And uh, I think it was from that time forward that I, I, I've always had an intense interest in foreign and military affairs. And uh, so that, that really was the, the beginning of the whole thing was that instant listening to that radio report uh, on the battle out of Korea. Wow, what a story. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is quite the question. I, I say at the barrel of a gun, Casey, but how do we force or uh, how do you force people to take a non-FDA approved vaccine? Well, I'm hoping that they don't. You know, I, I have never worn the mask except now when I've, I've gone into medical facilities and I certainly put it on. Someone is very demanding about it. I said, okay, fine. I put it on uh, and then I get it off as quickly as I can. So um, when it comes to the, the vaccine, I tell you, we've, we've got to start putting pressure on legislators and telling them that this is not acceptable. This, for the American people, this is a red line. We're not going to be forced. Uh, we, we keep being told, oh, you know, we're this free country and and you know Russia and, and China and all these others, they're bad. And you say, well, okay, they have what? Uh, in China, they have uh, censorship. What about the United States? Are you telling me we don't have censorship when the president of the United States is censored and deplatformed? Give me a break. And you say, well, yeah, but they can they can force and they can order people. What do you mean? We're being forced to take this uh, this vaccine and uh, uh, and oh by the way I I heard I wish I remembered the name of the airline but. Uh, there is a, a new airline that is forming, and it's basically a non-vaccine airline that uh, uh, will, you know, take passengers, no vaccines, no nothing. You get on, uh, you take your life into your own hands. But think about this. If somebody, you know, we're told that these vaccines are so incredibly effective, if somebody's afraid of catching the flu, let them get a vaccine. God bless them. I'm all for it. Why do you have to tell me I need a vaccine if you can get one and be protected from me? You, you know, it makes no sense. There's no rational sense in requiring people to get a vaccine if the people who are frightened can get vaccines and be taken care of. Let the rest of us take a risk. I got to tell you something. You know, in Vietnam, I used to run into minefields to evacuate casualties. And my guess is that it takes you about a half an hour to set up a medevac and get casualties, uh, give them first aid, get them, get them bandaged up, get them aboard the helicopter and, and out of the, the landing zone. I'm guessing that probably you can do that about four times before you're killed. 
And I was very fortunate. One time we finished one of these things and I said, look, I'm going to cover the rear as we pull out, let my radio men go because they're burdened down and I'm there. I, I didn't carry a pistol like other officers. I carried a rifle and I was good with it. And so I'm covering the rear and I'm walking back and I, I look behind me and on the trail, right next to where I had been set up with my radios for last half hour, there was a bouncing Betty and it had three prongs that stood up. Oh, Senator, you, oh, you're back. It, 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 somebody had stepped on the on the on the fuse of the bouncing Betty, had bent it, but it didn't go off. Wow. I had been sitting not six feet away from it. Would have blown my head off. I wouldn't have been talking to you today if the fuse hadn't malfunctioned. But but I think you know we used to do that type of thing, and now I'm told that the government's got to tell me to get a get a vaccine because they're scared. Well, I didn't grow up being scared. I'm sick of people that are scared. Let the scared people get vaccines. God bless them. I'm not scared. I'm going to die someday. Everybody's going to die someday. I want to live until that time, and I don't want to live with a government boot on my on my neck. Nothing to add to that. Uh, yeah, if you don't know what a bouncing Betty is, it's a very nasty mine that shoots up out of the ground. It's, it's designed to cut you in half. Uh, yeah, wow, that's incredible. Uh, Patty says, uh, Patty Hildago says, thank you for joining uh, her club. I'm a member as well, so shout out yeah. to the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club. And I think we've got a few more questions. So already did that one. And uh, Senator Black, you mentioned the younger generation standing up was inspiring. What advice do you have for young conservatives who are looking at running for local office? Well, um, first of all, you need to recognize that uh, there's nothing mystical about the people who run for office. They're people like just like you. And uh, uh, what you need to do is get involved in things. You need to, to start communicating with people. People will recognize if, if you're a leader, if you have things that you believe in and you believe passionately, um, you need to be a listener. You can't just go off in some wild and woolly direction. You've got you've to be aware of what the people have on their minds and uh, get involved in your local Republican Party. I, I would love to say your local party, but the Democratic Party, really, it, it's, it's changed over the last 20 years. It's now a Marxist revolutionary party. So don't get involved with that. Um, but get, get, start working a little bit with the Republican Party. And then, uh, then just take the bull by the horns on some of these issues. There are enough outrageous things that are being done uh, to the people that uh, you can gather together people and say, hey, look, let's start doing something about this. Let's let's just carry some signs and go out uh, before the, the morning traffic and rage. And here's the person responsible for it. I'll tell you one, one story that when I, I was a student senator at University of Florida, I just come out of the Marines. I was 23 24 years old. Uh, I'd been a captain, been a pilot and so forth. 
and uh, got involved with some some other Marine veterans. And uh, and one day it came to, to our attention that uh, they had introduced a bill in the Florida legislature to put a special tax on blinded and wounded uh, veterans out of Vietnam. And we just were furious. We jumped in a car. We headed to Tallahassee. We went storming in, said, where, where is this, this piece of legislation being heard? They said, oh, this is in subcommittee down in this room. We went down there. We burst through the door, and I interrupted that meeting, and I, and I, I yelled, and I said, I want to know who introduced that bill to put a tax on blinded, wounded, and veterans. veterans. I said, I want to know right now. I, and, uh, and they were stunned. And then I went on. I said, and we, we had formed the Florida Veterans Association on the drive out there. It lasted for 20 years after that. Uh, I was elected the president. I said, I said, look, I said, I'm standing here uh, representing the views of 20,000 Florida veterans. Uh, I didn't say they were members. I just said I'm representing them. And, uh, and I, it so intimidated them that somebody said, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chair, I've got the bill right here. Uh, he said, I, I make a motion that we table this bill. Somebody said, second. I second that. And then uh, all in favor, aye. And then the, the chairman said, uh, said uh, uh, Mr. Black, uh, we, we want to apologize for this bill being introduced. It was ill-conceived. And uh, if you would please let, let the people you're working with know that uh, we are not against veterans. And, uh, and uh, anyway, we, we drove back that night and suddenly we realized, you know, here you are, three guys who have, we've never been in the Capitol before in our lives. And we have just changed the course of legislation. And uh, so, Politics, it's not like corporate enterprise or like the military. It's, uh, uh, it just springs out of nothing. And it can be very powerful, especially those things that spring out of nothing and, and are not uh, organized and orchestrated by parties. So just take the bull by the horns, figure out something to do and go with it. That's my advice to you. Awesome. Awesome advice. You know, we, uh, we're out of questions and that's good because we're just about out of time. And Senator Black has basically spoken about this the whole time. It's one of the underpinnings um, of, of the show and the brand that I'm trying to build is to just encourage people to be bold and courageous. Uh, he's doing it. I'm doing it. We haven't been canceled. We've lived the apolitical life of a soldier. And, and now uh, we've, we've got, you know, those rights that we signed away. We have them back and we're using them to make our voices heard. And, you know, that comes right out of the Bible, right out of Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you be bold and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And some of you are thinking, what can I do? Maybe you're thinking about um, starting your own platform. Maybe you're thinking about organizing a group or driving down to the Capitol to bust into, not the federal capital, capital uh, but to go into the local legislators meeting and, and kind of get some accountability. Um, if you don't know about this resource, I just want to share it with you all, and then and then we'll send uh, Senator Black on his way. 
Um, but Heritage Action is an awesome organization, and they have a tool that everyone needs and you know to share, needs to become familiar with. But it's this toolkit on issues, and this one is rejecting uh, critical race theory. Go to the website. It's got the history. It's got common issues related to CRT and the schools. It's got a little guide showing you how you can do Freedom of Information Act request, FOIA request, telling you how you can speak to your legislators and find out who they are, and a whole bunch more. Uh, so this website is heritageaction.com, or you can just Google Heritage Action Toolkit. Um, it's free. And it's awesome. I'm going to be doing some speaking events with this organization in the near future. And uh, so that's all that I have. Senator Black, is there anything, just last thing that you want the listening audience to know? And thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice as, as a statesman. Uh, you're just, you're on fire. And I, I feel like you're, your best chapter may be yet to come. Uh, so... <laughs> Send us away with the last word, Senator Dick Black, to you. Well, I, I first would caution people that we are at a time in politics that is like never before. Uh, we are undergoing the earliest stages of a Marxist, Bolshevik-style revolution. Uh, that's the, the, the bad story. The good story is that they have so overplayed their hand that this is a target-rich environment. There are so many outrageous things being done that uh, it's not hard. Of a young lady, Kay Kale, who has formed a group uh, at uh, Our Lady of Hope Church, uh, she all she wants to do is to be a mother and 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 a very very good uh, devout Christian and uh, but she felt like she had to take action and she was probably the earliest person who started all of this and so you do not have to be the kind of person who is uh, pugnacious or or anything like that but you just have to have a desire to move forward and do something. But hold these people accountable by name, in person. Don't be afraid to hold the, the people in Congress, your senators, your congressmen. Hold them accountable personally, individually. Get that out on, on your internet, your websites. When they do something, let the other people know so that people know how to vote when it comes time. Awesome. Senator Black, thank you so much. Everyone listening, be bold, be courageous, be an uncloseted conservative. And that is all that we have for you. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.